right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Remake Rewind, uh, the podcast where you decided remakes or reboots should have happened. I'm Mike. As always with me, I've got my buddy Alex. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? We're talking about Mortal Kombat today, and I'm very excited about this one. We've been... We've been talking about this one for for a whole year. We've been looking forward to to this episode. And, I was uh, like not on board at first, but I got real excited in the last month. Me too. Like I, I was. I mean, I was always on board be... with this episode. I'm talking about the movie itself, though. I did not think it was going to be. I knew it was special. I, <laughs> yeah, I I was really excited about this one because I've been wanting to go back to the '95 one for a while, and I know you you went back to it last year when we did the uh, the video game episode with Mario and Sonic. I think I watch uh, this once every two years. Yeah, that, that's I would say I watch it maybe every three to five years, the 95 version. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really excited to talk about this one. Like, I did not have uh, high hopes for this. When I first heard about it, I was like, okay, this sounds great. But it kept getting delayed even before the pandemic. Like, they wrapped this in, in 2019. It was supposed to come out early 2020. Yeah. And then it got pushed and pushed and pushed, but it got pushed regardless, uh, like even before the pandemic started and we even knew it was going to happen. It got pushed to like the end of the year, early last year before we were even concerned about this. So I was like, that doesn't bode well. It got pushed from like October of 2019 to January or February of 2020. And that normally is where you kind of put the movies that you don't think are going to do well or aren't very good. And so I, I, I didn't think that this was going to be a good movie. And, and I, after seeing the first trailer, I had uh, very low expectations for it, too. Um, something about see, the first funny, trailer but... just did not like sit well with me. And I remember talking to you about like Sub-Zero's mask specifically. You did. You, you did. you did have an issue with that. You sent me pictures of it and like gifts of it and you didn't like it. But uh, I still I still don't think it holds up. I think that's uh, one of the things that the movie did wrong. But that's we'll, a very we'll talk small about I, I disagree with you. I think the Sub-Zero costume is awesome. But we'll, I said we'll his mask. I did not say his costume. Well, that's part of his costume. Yeah, but I'm only talking about his mask. You're trying fair. to make it a different thing. That I'm I'm a, a big costume jerk, and I'm not. You're a costume jerk. I'm not a costume jerk. You jerk. Do you costume just have pillows jerk. behind you? No, there's on, a. He has pillows on his roof. Oh yeah, yeah. That's to block off the because our apartment has is like a loft style, so each bedroom actually has like a four by six uh, window. But that's open, and we filled this one with plexi, but it has a, a beam going across um, the ceiling. Just so we two, need to two smaller pieces of plexi. That's what we we're gonna do that, or we're gonna just do like a wood finish, like okay. fill it in with wood. Um, I actually want to put foam up there, and then two boards painted white to kind of cover it. But I, we just haven't got to that yet. So the pillows are to kind of muffle the sound to downstairs. Fascinating. Anyway, Mortal yep. Kombat. Mortal Kombat 95. Uh, this was a big deal. This was like the really like the second big video game movie after Mario. And Mario, obviously, we talked about and didn't do well and was pretty, you know, critically panned. Yeah, and it's, everything. It's and funny. This one Look, was a hit. Yeah, and like it's not it's not a good movie, but it is a decent amount of fun. And uh, you know, being only the second um, video game movie, there wasn't really. Um, uh, precedent for how bad most video game movies would end up being and i think that's like a curse that has continued uh to this day almost but mortal kombat is sort of the one it's kind of the best one it's kind of the best video game movie it, a lot of people say it's the best video game movie ever and then tomb Which raider 2018 it's not it's not saying a whole lot no it's not like some people think tomb raider um with alicia vikander 
took the spot as the best video game movie. I was a little underwhelmed by that one. Like I have not gone back to watch that movie, but I have gone back to watch this numerous times over the last 25 years. So it's, and it does, it does a lot of things, right? Like it, the costumes look like the costumes from the video games at the time. And one Mm -hmm. of the writers, um, Ed Boon had, a lot to do with the movie he helped write it he voiced scorpion uh, in it so like the creators of the video game had their hand in this movie quite a bit yeah it's got a big budget like they spent money on this thing um you wouldn't know it from the the cg but i think you can't really they, hold they that against that much money on it they only spent 18 million on it i mean 18 million is pretty good for that time for a video game movie for a video game movie but not for like a big action movie and this was like how much how much was the budget for the new one the new one was 55, 50 to 55 million, which is mm-hmm. still, that's small. Like they, they do that. That's, with, that's comparable with inflation and stuff. Yeah. I would say that's pretty comparable. So like it wasn't cheap. I but still think 55 is a good amount of money for this one. I think so. I think, I think so. Absolutely. But like, what do you, do you, what do you remember about this movie? Clearly you watched it. You mentioned that you watched it. Yeah. I mean, I was, two. I was 10 years old when this came out and I was um, seven exactly the right age for a Mortal Kombat movie. Um, I was, I was all into the games. I think this came out after the second one and like right around the, the time the third one was going to be released. It came out right the, after the second, the, I think it was the same um, year the, as the third game. Annihilation was around uh, the sequels when the third game came out. They, they made a big deal. They were really Two pushing later, to get right. the sequel out around this time of the third game. Yeah. Um, that was a big, big push. Cause the, the, the first game only came out in 92 and this came out in 95. Like that's a pretty quick turnaround to yeah. have a game blow up, have issues with like the government wanting to censor the game. It wasn't available on Nintendo. It was only available on Sega or the arcade. Like it's pretty impressive that this movie got made when it did. Yeah. And I think uh, they got pretty close to uh to an R too. Um, yeah. It wouldn't, you know, yeah. Wouldn't, have, wouldn't have happened at that time. Um, but I think they pushed the pre G 13 rating pretty far. Really, um, the only thing that's borderline is when when they kill Scorpion. They like cut his head in half with a shield, but at that point, it's like a stop motion puppet, and it's like slime that comes out versus blood, and that's how they're able to get away with it. But yeah, it's a pretty solid movie. Do you wanna? Do you want me to summarize this one, or do you want to summarize this one before we start picking it apart? Go for it. All right, so uh, so this is based obviously on the uh, very popular video game of the same time. Uh, it's about an ancient tournament where the best uh, fighters of different realms face off each other. The goal is to win ten tournaments, and then that realm could basically gets the right to invade the other realm. So at this point, Outworld, which is kind of like the evil realm, has won nine tournaments, and it's up to uh, Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, and Sonya Blade, who are all kind of uh, recruited by Raiden to uh, make sure that they don't get the uh, final victory and uh, they save the day. And each fighter kind of has their own little uh, quest slash subplot slash internal journey that they need to complete to become self-actualized. Commonly uh, referred to as an arc. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's worth noting also, this is like, this is Liu Kang's movie. Oh yeah. He's he's the the star. It's his story. It would be him or, or or Johnny Cage. Like I feel like Johnny Cage drives the plot a lot more than Liu Kang does. But Liu Kang is set up to but be the hero and the chosen one. Yeah, I mean it's kind of an ensemble, but Liu Kang is clearly the protagonist. It's Robin Chow's movie. 
Yeah, definitely more in the in the sequel. Which did you did you end? I know you said you were going to watch it and you started. Did you get through the sequel too? We're not going to talk about the sequel, yeah. but we both kind of just felt like watching it. You're you're right. This is set up to be Liu Kang's movie. There was supposed to be a third movie, um, and I guess we'll talk more about that in in our Patreon episode because that's what we talked about the sequel. But uh, I it's it's what interesting because Liu Kang. What is gets the third the, movie supposed to be? The third movie was supposed to be called like Armageddon. And was supposed to was in development, and then apparently got shut down after Hurricane Katrina. They tried to justify her use Katrina as the example, like also like nine eleven was part of it too. Like they they used all these like world oh, events weird. to justify not making it. But apparently it was like in development. Uh, Christopher Lambert was supposed to come back, and so was um, um, Lyndon Ashby, who played Johnny Cage. Like they were supposed to come back uh, for the the third movie, like Robin Williams with the Aladdin movies. <laughs> and of course, well, well, we'll get into that when we talk about Annihilation, I guess. Yeah. But that's interesting. But you, you're right. Rob, like Robin Shaw as Liu Kang is kind of set up to be the lead, although I think he's given the least amount to do until the very end of the movie. But all the major, I think, I feel like all the major plot developments or all the things that move the plot forward are, are Luke Cage. Johnny Cage? Or Johnny Cage? <laughs> yeah, Johnny Cage. <laughs> what franchise are we talking about here? Yeah, That's Johnny Cage kind of G- drives give me, everything. Give me forward. an example. So, um, he's the one who kind of initiates fighting Gore, Prince Goro, who's the reigning champion, and he's also the one that makes the the bet essentially with uh, Shang Tsung, um, which is what really sets the uh, the finale going. And then he's also the one who kind of leads people them down through like the i don't know catacombs there's not really a good way to describe the island that they're at like the weird castle but there he's the one who kind of gets them all underground and leads the way and then gets them into that ambush it it seems like all the stuff is orchestrated by johnny cage he's also the kind of the first one to show up at the boat at the beginning and he kind of like is the one that kind of gets everybody talking to each other Liu king and sonya blade like he's kind of the one who unites everybody from the human element before we really get involved with Raiden. I think you just really like Johnny Cage. No, I don't like Johnny Cage all that much. Like hmm. I, I remember this being more of a Liu Kang driven movie, but this time around, I felt like Johnny Cage kind of dominated a lot of the the aspects of the movie. He also got to kill Scorpion, um, and he got to take on and and he killed Goro. So I he mean, killed two Luke- of the three biggest villain characters. Yeah, but Liu Kang kills Sub Zero and Shang Tsung. And Shang Tsung, yeah. I think it's and, I think it's an ensemble movie, but uh, Liu Kang, you know, is the one with the destiny to defeat Shang correct. Tsung and I think you know, we, win Mortal Kombat. I think we can agree that and I think Sonya his blade kind of gets the shaft. <laughs> well, I was going to say also I think uh, you know they each have their individual arcs, and it, it is very much like an ensemble movie. But Liu Kang um, has his. Uh, his his revenge arc with Shang Tsung killing his brother, I think, is sort of the strongest one, because Johnny's just sort of getting over being a narcissist, and Sonia is uh, avenging her old partner, I guess. But we never see him. We don't really know a whole lot about that. It's sort of, it's more about her like re- uh, learning to um, ask for help when she needs it. That's sort of her arc. Yeah, but I think well, uh, and she gets her, Kang's it's is like the she has, It's like she gets two arcs because like her whole thing is. I want revenge on Kano, but she kills Kano in her first fight. And then it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, she needs to learn to be a team player now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty thin. Yeah. Right. And then she, right. she becomes the, the damsel. In, and then she gets, becomes the damsel in distress at the end of the movie. 
that really bummed me out. I think the third yeah. act of this movie is uh, is not great. And it's it's weird because she also like one of the things that one of my notes was like she doesn't give a shit about collateral damage. Like the beginning of the movie, she's like she's hunting Kano and like Shing Sung goes to Kano and is like, hey, I really want Sonya Blade. Like there's also this weird subplot that Shang Sung is like into her, but it's not really explained. Yeah, there, there's that. And I think that also connects to this like uh, this thing that they don't really explain where he's like psychic or something like he's referring to a prophecy that we don't know about. Yeah, like Sung's character just I, I, I want to get I'm going to talk about Sonya Blade for just one second. And then I, wa- I would like to talk about Shang Sung because his whole thing is weird, but he's perfectly played by Kari uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa. Um, he's fantastic. But Sonya Blade at the beginning of the movie is being drawn to the island and Shang Tsung basically uses Kano as bait and he's just like hey make sure like you don't get caught but like get Sonya Blade to the boat but she's like walking through this like club in Hong Kong and there's just like hundreds of people dancing and she's just like walking through the crowd and she's got like her (laughs) machine gun and she's just like hitting dancers with like her gun to get out of the way. Nobody seems to care. Yeah and then she's just like starts shooting at like these ninjas and the ninjas are shooting back at her and like she doesn't give a shit about collateral damage it's fucking weird. And also the club just like keeps on rocking. Yeah nobody cares that there's like ninjas and like a white chick in Hong Kong (laughs) shooting machine guns in the middle of a crowd. Yeah yeah it was um you know it doesn't seem like it's very well thought through. Yeah but uh the I think this. We talked about wanting um, off air. We talked about wanting to discuss the rules of Mortal Kombat, and I think this is a really great place where we can talk about Shang Tsung as well, because yeah. I didn't really understand his role, because they mention like offhand. There's like one line of dialogue somewhere where they mention that if you win, if you're the reigning champion, you get long life, and but they also say that Prince Goro is the remaining champion. But it well, Shang, also seems like Shang Tsung is a sorcerer. That's why he consumes people's souls. That's how he stays alive for that for so long. Got it. And then he's just he gives Prince Goro the he's Prince Goro is his champion for Outer World. But but you're right. In the movie, that is not super clear. Like I'm saying that as a fan of the games. Correct. So it's not super clear. But then also his role isn't very clear because he's kind of set up to be like the referee and the recruiter and everything. He's like fight, finish him, give me the you know give me your soul. <laughs> And like, yeah, and he also he also is like um, bending rules and stuff, and it, it feels like there should be um, there should be multiple judges, like Chuck Norris or somebody should be there. Like someone needs to represent Earth at this thing. Yeah, and that's supposed to be right. It's weird that the Elder Gods, and so I guess, and you're more of a fan of the game. I've played I've played the original games, but like I was like a little kid, I don't really remember the story, and I played the the DC versus Mortal Kombat game. Hell and then yeah. I played a little bit of Mortal Kombat 11. Like, I jumped into 11. Yeah. Um, and I only played it for, like, a few hours. So I'm not, like, the biggest fighting game fan. But it seemed... Like, I know the general rule is, like, they're, here are the Elder Gods. And then you have, like, Sh- um, Shao Kong, Shao Kahn, and Raiden are kind of, like, intermediate. Like, they're just below the Elder Gods. And then you have Shang Tsung, and then you have like all the champions. But it's like the elder gods are supposed to be like essentially the umpires, the referees of the universe, making sure that there's balance. Right. But it doesn't seem like anybody oversees the tournament. Like, oh, whoever won the tournament last time gets to kind of oversee it. And we're not really going to pay attention to it because Shang Tsung like cheats like crazy and like lies about the rules. Yeah. And there's also a point. I feel like Raiden and Shang Tsung are, um, are like the liaisons from either realm. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, th- like that but, makes sense. But Raiden, Raiden is like not present uh, on the uh, in this movie on the island. Like he just kind of pops up and he's like, uh, "You guys are not doing good. You should try a little bit harder." Like he's like an absentee coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then uh, but there's Shang Tsung is like, like Shang Tsung is like uh, is present, like you said, for every match, and he's like presiding over it. And he's he's always around. He's always doing something. And it's like yeah, hey, Raiden, but he's can like you the be ref. There? Could you like be there more often? Right. He's like the ref, but then he also fights at the end. So it's like he's a ref and he gets to fight and he gets yeah. to make the rules. And there's several points where like Raiden, Raiden shows up at, uh, you know, convenient moments. And like there's a point at the beginning of the movie where Sub-Zero and Scorpion are on the same team. And like they're bitter enemies. And there's like one line of dialogue to justify them both being bad guys where like Shang Tsung is like, they're bitter enemies, but they're both under my mind control kind of thing. And then Raiden's like, ah, uh, 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 you guys aren't supposed to attack my champions until after the tournament starts. What are you doing? Shang Tsung's like, oh man, you caught me kind of thing. <laughs> and then later on in the movie, like conveniently, like Raiden will pop up a couple times and it's like, he didn't tell you about this one rule. <laughs> oh, he didn't tell you about this one rule. <laughs> like it pops up a couple times. It's like, and then there's certain points. Where and also the, like, the fights with the fights with uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero are not part of the tournament. They're just trying to like take out the uh, oh, they're not. Earth they're not part of it. I mean, they're not like on the beach with all the flags around them, right? Yeah, that. See, that's the thing that's weird. It's like, and nobody's nobody's watching them, and they don't really say what Mortal Kombat is because one of the rules is like, once it begins, you can't deny Mortal Kombat. But then there's also like the the crux of the movie, like the climax of the movie is Johnny Cage goes to Chang Shang Tsung and is like, "Hey, I want to fight Goro." And then he's like, fine, but if you fight Goro, I get to fight the winner or I get to pick a champion to fight the winner of it. And Johnny Cage is like, cool. And Raiden's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I just told you, don't (laughs) jump in feet first. You're always getting, you know, getting into fights that you shouldn't be getting in. And then Johnny goes, yeah, but you told, you know, we've just been kind of like following. And now, you know, the fate of the universe is in store or at stake and like we need to take action and we need to like take the reins and Raiden's like this guy gets it this guy fucks and it's just like wait did he do a bad thing or not like you were just yelling at him but he just says like well I wanted to take control and now you're like proud of him but it's like it really jeopardized everything because Xiao Sheng was able to like become a fighter and challenge whoever he wants and then it gets to a point where he goes all right well I'm gonna challenge Sonya Blade and if Sonya Blade doesn't accept my challenge then she loses and Raiden goes, nah, uh, uh, like she gets to what he, I think what he says is, I don't think so. Yeah. One, one of the four fucking times he says that in the movie. Yeah. And then he's like, she has to accept the challenge. She hasn't accepted it. And then Luke King's like, wait, I'll challenge you. So then it just becomes like, is it a tournament or not? Cause it seems like people can just challenge people whenever the fuck they want. Yeah. And also why are humans fighting other humans? Yeah. That's the thing that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like why is Kano, like if they're supposed to be from the same realm, like, could you, in theory, could Liu Kang and Sonya Blade have popped up if it was an actual bracket? Like, it doesn't seem like there's a bracket like NCAA. Yeah, exactly. It's a, tur- there, it's a tournament. There should be a bracket. Yeah. It's, so it's like, in theory, you would think that, you know, you could have two Earthrealm fighters going up against each other if it was an but, actual tournament. But why would they even do that? Right. It doesn't make any sense. It's not a tournament. Yeah, I agree. Liu Kang so. fights. Um, it's Liu Kang, right? He fights the, the black dude with the dreads. That like yeah. he does a lot. He does a lion's roar for some reason. Yeah, he roars a bunch, and then he it, does. It seems like a lot of wasted opportunities to have other characters in these movies. Also, yeah. I think they maybe they're thinking about sequels, but there's just they, like they a, there's been. a lot of like human other human characters that are not anybody. Right, 
And then you have the other person who shows up, and she doesn't do much in this movie. She's technically bigger in the, the other movie, but Katana shows up, and she's the princess. And she, like, helps Liu Kang cheat. She, like, goes up. Like, why does Liu Kang and Katana fight? Like, I didn't understand that. There's a point yeah, where that, Liu Kang... It feels like it's an exhibition, but that's one that should be a real fight because she's from a different realm. Right. And then she like just, like, walks off. She's like, I'm not doing this. And she leaves, but she's like, hey, when you fight Sub-Zero... Use the element that brings life. And Liu Kang's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, and then she I, has scientist? like And then she has like a janitor leave like a bucket of water in the <laughs> middle of the floor. Like I, if I were sub zero, I'd be like, no, fuck that. Like she's giving him a bucket of water to use against me. Like But but also he's like he controls water. He controls isn't it kind of cryomancer. Isn't it kind of dumb for him to get killed by water? Shouldn't he get killed by like fire or something? I don't know, man. It makes no sense. It seems like if uh, if Liu Kang shot that shit at him, I mean, at least like if I was Liu Kang, I would think, oh, but he controls water. So this probably isn't going to do anything. Like, I'm not even going to bother. The um, other thing that didn't make sense to me was. Oh, the, the, the one other thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the big things that didn't make sense was uh, the fight with Goro, um, which I think Goro was fucking awesome. Like that animatronic puppet. <laughs> to this day i still think looks super sick like i think it looks really cool i'm on board with it i think it's cool to see uh i think the animatronic practical effects is super cool but i don't think the uh that it holds up it's like i think it's close enough it's fun and nostalgic i think i I think that's it for a movie that came out in 95 like that's cool yeah but it's it's also like like, it's very it's very frustrating that um that that character with all that cool like practical effects is in there and then also reptile it was just like garbage CG, like early, early CG. It was like sixteen bit, <laughs> like Super yeah. Nintendo graphics. I mean, it looks like a, it looks like a PlayStation cutscene. I don't even. Th- I think you're being generous with that. <laughs> but that fight. So Johnny. We gotta Cage, talk about the fights. Yeah, Johnny Cage challenges Goro, and he gets the drop on him. Like he does, like a he he drops to the ground and punches Goro in the nuts. And Goro's like, oh, and he's like scrambling for like a full minute. And instead of like taking advantage of punching Goro in the nuts, Johnny Cage like like scales this like pyramid and like goes through this tunnel that goes to this cliff and then eventually like pushes Goro off the cliff. It's like, why not just like attack him there and take advantage of like, like he didn't know that there was a cliff there. Like when he goes out of the tunnel, he's like, oh, shit, like he almost fell off the cliff. Like, yeah. what was his plan? Why did he punch the... Why, one, why did he challenge him? Why did he run away? I think some stuff got cut out of the movie there because I remember feeling like it seems like Johnny Cage has uh, a plan to, like, trick Goro. Um, and that's kind of... It seems like that when he runs up the uh, the stairs and it kind of makes sense that he wanted to get him into a place where he could use the environment to his advantage. But you're right. He acts like he's uh, surprised that there was a, a cliff there. So then yeah. it's like, okay, so you didn't plan this at all. No, it's, uh, it's very uneven. It feels like something's missing, I think, or yeah. something got added later. And I think so. That fight was kind of a disappointment. Um, but I, I also do like the nobody model. nobody follows them. By the way, no, like no. there's there's a hundred people watching that fight, including um, my two favorite guys, the Goro Bros. You know what I'm talking about? There's no. two guys that at the the two or three Goro fights are always like, uh, there's always a shot of the two of them going, yeah, oh, yeah. his fluffers. Goro! And they look at each other and they yell Goro again. They're like, yeah, bro! It's just his entourage. 
It's yeah, like dude. turtle and uh, drama. That's. Did you know that I've watched Entourage this last week? Yeah, you've you've put it put it on your uh, okay. social media a couple times. All right, all right. Way to ruin yeah. my how you doing, bud. <laughs> uh, so that fight's whatever. The uh, the Scorpion versus Johnny Cage fight is probably I think is probably the best and worst fight when we're like i didn't get to say this earlier but we were talking about budget and i think this is a good example of it like i guess it was kind of a small budget but i feel like it was uh, pretty generous for a video game movie in 1995 and i think a lot of the budget went to and a lot of the reason that um this movie is still memorable is the costumes and the locations like they they spent yeah. money on building some some dope sets and i think the um the Johnny Cage and Scorpion fight, which has two locations, which is crazy, um, has two of the most like memorable locations from from this movie. There's so, the uh, the forest with all the trees that are like lined up perfectly. Yeah, and, like, that's a makes beautiful for very, scene. Yeah, it makes for like very uh, aesthetically pleasing uh, shots. And then they get transported to like Scorpion's lair, which is sort of in hell. And there's a bunch of like uh, bamboo, bamboo scaffolding, scaffolding and, shit, yeah. <laughs> and like spider webs which doesn't really make sense but like visually it's very fucking cool so that was a recut like a reshoot so originally like this movie they did um screen tests and people loved it but there, there was a complaint that there wasn't enough action and enough fighting so the original scorpion fight ended in the forest and then they added the like the hellscape oh, no fight. shit um, and then the the reptile fight was the same thing. Like originally, there wasn't an actual humanoid reptile that he that Liu Kang fights. Um, that was added as a uh, reshoot after yeah. uh, test screening. So, uh, but that fight, like the in the forest, is a little weird. Like you have the uh, get over here, but in the movie, it's like a organic snake like monster that comes out of his hand. And that was just a straight misunderstanding from Paul W.S. Anderson from the game. Like the game, you know, being a 16 bit game, you can't really see all the detail, but it's supposed to just be a regular kunai that's, you know, on a rope or a chain. But they thought it was like an organic part of him. But the thing seems to be like thousands of feet long. Like Johnny Cage is running I, from it for like 20 I had a seconds question about that. around the trees and whatnot. Yeah, but it's also weird to me that there's a limit on it because Johnny yeah. Cage like runs around some trees or something. And like finally gets backed up against one of the trees and the thing like hits its hits its end and like can't bite him anymore. And it's just like and snapping I, at him. Yeah. And I was like, first of all, how lucky is he or how did he know that? That seems kind of weird. Um, and then also like this is like a fantastical piece of uh, I don't know. I was going to say technology, but it's not. It's like a make, it's a completely make believe thing. So like, yeah. why is there a limit on it? Well, and then like. He like Scorpion's like no, and he like retracts the thing back into him, and then he like throws again, and this time like Johnny Cage just ducks, and then it hits the tree and splatters. Yeah, yeah and then he sucks <laughs> it back in. So then they go to like hell or wherever they are, and it's more of an, uh, a martial arts fight at that point. And then Johnny Cage picks up his shield and like slashes um, Scorpion's face off, and then like yeah. slashes his chest and like wins. But like, like that he, fight's probably the coolest one. Yeah, he explodes. Well, there's a point where he rips off his mask and you see the skull, and then he like blows He's doing fire. The fatality. And yeah. yeah, but it's a. I think that's probably the I think coolest that's the fight, fight in the movie. You know what's weird about this movie is that I think the fights are actually pretty underwhelming. And yeah, maybe that's just great. Maybe that's just because it's like you know looking at it, uh, however many years later, um, and also. Uh, all the like great martial art movies that have uh, come to the U.S. 
in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. I think at that time, if you were making a Hollywood like um, martial arts movie that didn't star like Bruce Lee or, or somebody like some big name, um, you weren't going to get like real martial arts well, action. What's interesting about like to your point, um, Robin Shaw, who plays Liu Kang, who has done martial arts movies outside mm-hmm. of these ones, um, he actually had to teach like Paul W.S. Anderson kind of like lied about his uh <laughs> his resume and like how he can do this so he mentioned that he's done big budget special effects and you know cgi he had never done anything with cgi before so he just kind of like bluffed his way in and apparently like when they first started shooting this he was shooting everything in single takes wide angles uh and then robin shout he'd be like yeah that's not how you film action scenes like you do short ones so people don't get exhausted because they would do the entire two three four minute fight scenes and then he would want to do two, three takes, and the actors would be fucking exhausted. And Robin Shaw's like, yeah, that's not how you shoot these movies. So Robin Shaw had to teach Paul W.S. Anderson how to shoot action. Yeah, he's credited as fight choreographer on this, I believe. Yeah, that that um, makes total sense. But also, like, they're not great. I think he his fight, like, the the one with Shang Tsung at the end is probably the most impressive. You keep on saying Shang Tsung. I think it's Shang Tsung. Is it Shang Tsung? I apologize. I I'm terrible <laughs> right, with pronunciations. Right. Like, so what? However you pronounce it, that's how you pronounce it. I might be saying it wrong. I'm not going to even try to justify my pronunciation of of it. Like, I'm probably pronunciation. Wrong. Pronunciation. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> um, the Sub Zero fight is kind of weak. I think like it's, when he. Well, hold on. Just to wrap up that point, though, I I know Robin Chow had um, a lot of input on this, um, and I and I know that he's like an accomplished martial artist. So I was surprised that. The fights uh, feel very um, underwhelming. I think he probably just had to work with the other actors who aren't as good of martial artists. Like he had to do something that one, the is this filmmaker who's never filmed anything like this right, could shoot right. and film, and then also actors like he like Sonya Blade played by um, Bridget Wilson. Bridget like she hadn't done anything like this, so she was filmed. Wilson, she yeah. was the first choice to do this movie. But she started doing Billy Madison and then had to drop out of this one. So they actually cast Cameron Diaz. And then Cameron Diaz broke her wrist during mm-hmm. training. So they postponed the movie and then they were able to get Bridget Wilson back. Um, but you have to deal with all that stuff. Um, so I guess it kind of makes sense. But what's weird is, to your point, uh, he is an accomplished martial artist. And when he fights Sub-Zero, like, the fight's kind of weak. But there's, like, this weird long ramp in, like, the throne room. He just jumps fighting. down it. Yeah. And so... Um, Sub-Zero does all these like flips down it and then uh, Liu Kang was supposed to do the same thing but Robin Shaw wasn't able to do the choreography so he just ran down it and jumped once and I'm like ah yeah it's like and that in just... the reptile fight too the reptile yeah. fight is is a rep- is a reptile and Liu Kang and um, there's a lot of like uh, flashy stuff and it's not very cool no it's not like very visceral so like Sub-Zero um, fight just the dude that with... oh go sorry ahead. The... I'm still talking about the fighting. I, I just also noticed uh, when they do like the demonstration, the uh, taste of things to come where Sub-Zero kills one of Shang Tsung's like guys <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. Um, that dude like does a whole bunch of kicks and like, you know, does his whole display Flourishes. before they actually fight. Yeah. And he like that guy kind of rocks and he's got he's like got a way better, like muscly, more muscly body than I think anybody else in the movie. No, I was like, absolutely. why is that guy not one of the fighters? Right. And also, why did you kill him? He seems to know what he's doing. Yeah. And so, yeah, he just ends up like. Yeah, like Sub-Zero just freezes that guy and shatters him. 
And then yeah. the Sub-Zero fight with Liu Kang ends with like Sub-Zero's like instead of doing all the other stuff that he's done before, like we've seen him just instantly freeze somebody before. But this time he's just like, come in, come in. <laughs> like, dude, like, like just really charging up this like ice ball. And then Liu Kang just throws a bucket of water and then it makes a icicle stab him. And like, that's the end of Sub-Zero. Like, it's really anticlimactic. He's making like um like a freezing force field that's growing, and I think his plan is to eventually uh, entrap Liu Kang and freeze him. But like Maybe. we've we've seen we've seen you throw a, a freeze ball. Why don't you just do that again? Yeah, like it, it makes no sense. So we already talked about the Goro fight, the bridge. Oh, the, uh, that uh by the way, that Hell fight with Scorpion, uh, Fear Factory is playing on the soundtrack, and that was pretty tight. I was into that. Yeah. I liked the music in this. It's the fun. sound. This soundtrack was like formative to me i think this is the um the first uh or like the the biggest the most mainstream example what am i trying to say so it's like a mainstream introduction to electronic music yeah it was like the first edm song to go platinum in america yeah and like i just remember discovering a bunch of uh of cool like electronic bands from this like kmfdm and stuff yeah, like there's a song towards the end, like in one of the other fights, that sounds like it was in the Matrix. Like it, I'm sure there's some overlap on the soundtrack of this movie and the Matrix. Mm-hmm. But uh, yep. just to so we can start getting through this, like, like the the Kano fight versus um, Sonya Blades wasn't very interesting. It was just a few punches, then she wraps her legs around him and snaps his neck, yeah. and then you really get to the 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 climax. And like I think the Liu Kang Shang uh, Tsung fight did i say it right that time no what is it what did you say it was i'm not gonna keep on correcting you i'm not gonna die on that hill because who knows if i'm saying it right it's a couple what what did you you say though i just want to hear it again i've i I grew up saying shang sung and in the new movie um the one of the dudes says uh shang sung okay so shang sung let's just pick one and go with it so i like shang sung okay so we're gonna say shang sung Okay, cool. Very so good. that that, that fight is probably the best martial arts fight, but it's still really just them going up some stairs and then Liu King ends up like kicking him onto some spikes. Yeah, that that whole final fight was uh was very underwhelming and it fe- even though the set clearly costs some money, it feels very small and low budget. Yeah, I agree. And then like he wins the day, he solves everything and then they go back to Earth and then Shao Kong just shows up and like I'm invading. And then Raiden ends the movie with, I don't think so again. <laughs> and, I was okay with that. That's like a cool cliffhanger. Yeah, it is. It's just funny how many times. And then the, and then the music, so. the music kicks in and it's just like, yeah, give me the sequel. Yeah. It, it, it definitely pumps you up for that. And like, Raiden, you mentioned it, like Raiden's kind of an absentee coach, absentee father. <laughs> like there, he has like towards the end of the movie, he has this little like taking the, the new one too. Yeah. That's a yeah, good Easter egg from, from the original movie in the new one is that Raiden doesn't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he just kind of like at one point is like, take a knee, t- team. Like, Johnny Cage, you're just too gung-ho. Like, you just need to like slow your roll a little bit. <laughs> he explains all of their arcs to them. Yeah. Luke no K, subtext. You just need to recognize you are the chosen one and stop being a bitch. Sonya Blade, you already kind of like did what you came here to do. So like, maybe maybe ask for help. I don't know. And like that's that's kind of the movie, yeah. Um, and then at the end, he just kind of does like a Dom Toretto. He's like, "Well, we're a family now, so family, family." <laughs> so Chris, like, so one of the things that is nice about Christopher Lambert being in this movie was he he's obviously like the biggest name in the movie at the time, 
and he um, was only supposed to be doing the like the actual face shots and like any wide shot of him was supposed to be somebody else. And he's like, no, it'll be better if it's just me. And so his, apparently his agent was pissed because he ended up going to Thailand for a month, even though he's barely in the movie and he paid for the rap party. And he also like apparently paid for some of the reshoots or some shit like that. So, you yeah. know, he was a team player and then he just, he's sort of the Raiden of the set. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, overall it's a fun movie though. Like I had a blast watching it. Like it, yeah, I have a it lot of fun with it. Through, yeah, I think as um, I, I mean, you, maybe you're less of a fan of the game, so you have a different perspective on it. But as a fan of the game, uh, as a ten year old and as uh, a six year old, I think it's a lot of fun. It's like clearly flawed. It's not a flawless victory, but um, no, it's, but it's a lot of fun. John Claude Van Damme was asked to be Johnny Cage, and Johnny Cage was uh, well, it was based, based on him. him. Yeah, and then he went to do Guile in Street Fighter he was, instead. Yeah, he was supposed to be like they were ba- they were um he was supposed to be Johnny Cage in the game in like yeah. 1992 in the first game. They were supposed to be they're going to base it around him. Um and he decided not to do it. Yeah. What it's funny that it? Street Fighter came out what was it the next year in 94 I think. Or no, yeah. the, same, uh, the year before. Yeah, this year is 95. Before. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that he ended up doing that and um that is also like a weirdly bad but enjoyable but not as I like that movie, movie better than this one. I I like this one better, but I think Raul uh, Julia's performance in Street Fighter is probably better than anything in this. Oh, for sure. Except for except for Carrie uh, Hiroki Tagawa, like he is fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's so uh, scary, and he's like, my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. The only thing that I thought was kind of wonky with him was uh when they're on the boat, like that decrepit boat going to the island there's like a Voldemort's dark mark flies in the sky like there's a skull <laughs> with a snake flying through it yeah. and Raiden's like Raiden's like so it begins and then like Xing Zhong is like so it begins and it's just like he says it has begun the same li- yeah it, it, they say the same line back to back looking at the dark mark in the sky and it's just silly there's, but, uh, he's there's great. another there's a similar thing to that um in the middle of the movie Raiden like tells uh Liu Kang what one of the rules is and then is like, I have nothing left to teach you, and just walks away. <laughs> There's a lot of like non sequiturs or like redundant pieces of dialogue. Yeah. All right, man. I think we've uh the only other oh, one other thing that I laughed because like the director of the Johnny Cage movie at the beginning of the movie. Steven uh, Spielberg. I was like, it looks like Steven Spielberg, and apparently Steven Spielberg was supposed yeah, was to do the cameo and couldn't, yeah. so they just hired somebody who looks like him. They got a Esteban Spielberg go. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But uh, uh, I have a few notes if you want to blast through them really quick. Yeah, blast them. Just blast me. Buddy. Um, uh, I yeah, change the camera angle again. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that the there's like a scene in the trailer for the new one where Sub Zero freezes Jax's gun and like looks yeah. at the bullets and then punches the shit out of him. Uh, that scene is in this uh, the original movie too. That's a yeah. little callback. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk about Raiden's voice. His voice is ridiculous. It's Christopher Lambert. Yeah, I love it, man. He he's like as much as uh, Kerry Hiroki Tagawa, he's like chewing chewing scenery. Yeah, I mean he's um, Duncan McLeod, not Duncan <laughs> Connor. He's Connor McLeod. Duncan's the TV show. I have no idea what you're talking about. Highlander. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. Why does Sonia care about uh, that dude Art dying? She'd met him like a day ago. Why do any of them care about him? Jo- well, Johnny Cage knows who he is. Like they had a conversation. They like had yeah. met before or something. But nobody else knows who he is. Like, why? Why do they give a shit? 
Nah, I don't know, man. And also, like, I remember seeing that movie and seeing him in the gray. Um, I don't know what you call it. It's not a. It's not like a gi. It's like a sleeveless gi, I guess. It's what the ninjas in the original game wear. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. With yeah, the shoulders. He's in like a gray one. And I was like, oh, that's smoke. They're going to make him smoke like one of the other ninjas. That's tight. And then it never happened. So nope. I remember being very disappointed by that. Um, I, I watched this right after I saw that movie. Nobody that just came out. Ah, oh, so and fucking good. It's really it was like a, a whiplash um, seeing the fight scenes in this. And then you know, right after watching nobody, which has like, you know, John, Lo- John Wick level fights. Oh, for um, sure. They're just like super impressive, super visceral, brutal. Um, how did? Uh, can you explain to me the reptile transformation? I can't. <laughs> There's it's this like little though. CG creature that's like a it's like a little uh, it's like the size of a cat, but it's like a reptile and he's invisible most of the time. It looks like and he's the like gecko from those video games from the PlayStation, like a gex. gex. Yeah, hell yeah, and it's like following them around for half the movie. And then um, it appears and like Liu Kang like grabs him and throws him into a statue in Outworld and then it becomes the statue and even has like the same faceplate, right? Yeah. And they they have a really bad fight and then he throws him through a wall and kills him and then the statue, he like reverts back into the statue and then there's like insects inside, but he's a reptile. Yeah, that made no sense. Why aren't there like snakes inside? Yeah, I don't know, man. He's not called insect. It made no sense. All right, so... Um, Oh, I was also just going to say Sonia looked like she was a, a Motley Crue roadie at the end. <laughs> and uh, the music on this movie was um, like all the guitar parts and shit was recorded by Buckethead, which I didn't oh. know until today, until the other day. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. All right, man. Let's just blast through. What have you been up to, bud, since we got a, got a whole nother movie to talk about? Fucking Entourage, dude. I watched the entire series of Entourage. Uh, in you watched the, the whole the thing? Mm-hmm. Holy shit, that's five seasons. It's eight seasons. It's eight seasons? Yeah, shit, I thought it was only that. like five too. We watched it last year, like right around the time we, you and I started recording together. We started watching that and then watched the movie. Okay, Skip so we don't movie. have a whole lot of time to... Uh, I'm, I'm going to watch it tonight. I have to. Uh, we, we obviously can't like get into it, but I was surprised at how well parts of it held, held up. I expected it to be dated and problematic as fuck, which it is. But there's a lot of beats that I think it's it's overall I still feel like it's pretty enjoyable. We, Maybe we that's like really living in LA. watching it last year. Yeah, it's 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 super weird watching it now that I live in LA because it's like there's still like it's super true. Like there's nothing about it that isn't true. Like that's how people are yeah. out here. It's fucking weird. And they they also like predicted a bunch of movies that were going to happen. Like I think Aquaman was kind of an obvious one, um, but right. they predicted Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple other ones too. It, Mandolin, it like, like because we got Midian? like in Medellin, yeah, we got that, and then uh, yeah, because with because uh, we had the Netflix series and everything. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it was <laughs> crazy how crazy how uh, how accurate is it in its satire and predictions of uh, of the industry. Yeah, I agree. And um, just, Jeremy Piven's great in it. He's so good, man, and he he gets like some. Um, he gets a lot of more emotional, like substantial stuff to do in the later seasons. Yeah, uh, with his wife leaving him and stuff, and like obviously the whole the whole show is about um, these guys being like uh, super misogynistic and like um, and problematic and stuff. Um, but I think they they made an effort to have some uh, comeuppance in the end. And oh, I, I, sure. I, guess, I guess it gets undercut, but the last couple seasons are very aware of like the indulgent lifestyles. 
and trying to say like, yeah, you know, there are, um, there are consequences to these things. Yeah, for sure. Like the directors, all the directors who hate him by the end of the series. Yeah. Don't like, want to work with him. Yeah. Like the seventh season is pretty, uh, weirdly dark. Like one of, um, Vince goes to rehab and, uh, one of the guys that, um, he had previously almost worked with was another addict who ends up killing himself. And I was like, wow, that's not, like not why I watch this show, but <laughs> no, yeah, man, yeah, that's the thing that happens. Dark. He, he fucks Sasha Gray and then ruins his life. He like, he like goes on a bender with her. Yeah. It's fucking weird. It's weird. They are she's a like, real person. And like, it's, it's crazy. Cause like they are still um, like calling women sluts in the last season. And, yeah. and it's like, yo, you have fucked more people than any of these women. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's dumb. Gal Gadot's yeah. in it. Like she's one of the people he like fucks early on in the series. Oh, I don't. I didn't remember her there. I didn't yeah, see her. she's just or in like a, one of the scenes, like in a limo, like with him. Tight. Like really early Gal Gadot. Um. So what else? I watched the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I thought was just fine. Uh, Zach yeah. and Mary make a porno, which was better than I expected. Oh, I and weirdly, I hadn't seen it. Like I've seen every Kevin Smith movie, but uh, not that one or Yoga Hosers. Um. Nobody, which was great. I rewatched oh, Beverly Hills so Ninja because uh, Robin Shaw. We watched right not good at all no that movie does not hold up i watched that like two or three years ago and hated myself for watching it i think um i think mortal kombat annihilation of beverly hills ninja are the reason that robin shaw did not have a career in hollywood past yeah unfortunately i think you're right i looked him up by the way he looks great he's like 60 something years old he looks fantastic he looks like he's like 40 yeah it's crazy he's incredible oh i don't know for him I don't know if I had mentioned this on the last one, but I watched um, an independent horror movie called Slacks that was pretty good. No, you didn't mention that. Yeah, S-L-A-X-X. It's about a sentient pair of, pair of pants that kills people. <laughs> but it's also about... Uh, I have to like pick my words for it. Anyway, sl- Slacks is good. It's about uh, under underpaid, underrepresented labor in foreign countries and fast fashion. And it's like it's got a, a really good substantial hook that I don't nice. want to ruin. Sounds funny. worth watching. It's on Shutter. Shutter. Hey, Shutter. Give us some memberships and we'll we'll plug you. Yeah. All right. Are you, That's you it. Good. Because I was shocked on what I, I got through. So same thing. Watched Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Invincible. Um, Invincible. I watched yeah. Boss Level on Hulu, which is that um, it's uh, the bad guys Mel Gibson, and then the the good guys. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. He plays Crossbones in a. Uh, the Marvel Frank movies. Grillo. Thank you, Frank Grillo. Yeah. Um, fuck, it, fuck Mel Gibson. It's it's a another take on Groundhog Day. He's just like, you don't really know what he is. He's like either some like X-Forces guy or whatever, but he just keeps reliving the same day because people are trying to kill him. And if you saw the trailer, you saw the movie, like all the best shit in the trailer or all the best shit in the movies in the trailer. Like it really wasn't worth watching it. I have, I have zero interest in any mel gibson movies i forgot he was in it when i decided to watch it because i like frank grillo at least i thought i did and uh it's it wasn't very good uh i rewatched knives out which was really fun oh, yeah it's it's the a best. good movie yeah and it's then uh, i started twin peaks and it's uh i'm like four or five episodes in and it's fucking weird i've never watched it before oh I'm no really shit enjoying twin peaks yeah it's gonna it's gonna get better and then much worse that's what i hear but i'm really excited about it, it i'm let me know when you get to the third season because I'm kind of interested in revisiting that. Okay, I will. Yeah, but we're we're like five episodes in. Like we're the um, 
that teeny bo- the the all the teenagers are like thirty years old in that show, and they're supposed to be in high school. But the one who's like <laughs> the uh, um, hotel owner's daughter, who's like in love with uh, with Cooper, like she just started like following him around. So I'm very very early in, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I I'm ready to talk about 2021. You want to summarize that bitch for me? Yeah, man. Um, Passes prime MMA fighter Cole Young is unaware of his heritage or why Outworld's Emperor Shang Tsung uh, has sent his best warrior Sub-Zero to hunt him down. Cole partners with Sonya Blade, Jax Kano, and warriors Liu Kang and Kung Lao to stand against the uh, enemies of Outworld in an attempt to defeat Earthrealm before the upcoming Mortal Kombat tournament. Yeah. So this one's like a prequel movie. Like, it it's rough calling it Mortal Kombat. Like it has all the Mortal Kombat well, elements. It has fatalities. It has all that. It's stuff. not. I wouldn't call it a prequel movie. It, it is a reinterpretation of the story that starts a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's fair. But it, it's not connected in any way. It's not like it's not a, a stealth reboot or whatever right. of the original movie. Like they are not connected. Yeah, I, I, like it's like a prequel to a tournament or a prequel to what we thought we were gonna get. I think. Like I. I think you know. I rewatched it uh, very quickly. I sort of skipped through it right before we hopped on. And I think that makes sense for other reasons that we've talked about with like the limited budget and the reintroduction to, um, to this property, to this franchise. I think they wanted to save a lot of stuff, including like Johnny Cage for the second movie. So it kind of makes sense to me that the next movie is going to be like, they're going to, they gave themselves room to go bigger. And I, I, I both like and hate that. And we'll, we'll talk yeah. about it at the end. Well, it's, it's really hinges on what you talked about, like Raiden being an absentee kind of father, coach, mentor, because mm-hmm. I think that fundamentally breaks the movie at the end. But it, like, just, I'm going to say this at the top of the movie, the, the, us talking about it. I had a lot of fun with this movie. It's yeah, not I a re- good movie. I, I'm going to really say it at the it. front. It's, it's not a good movie, but I had fun with it. I watched it twice. I watched it in theaters on Friday and then I watched it um, yesterday. Uh, I, I intended just to kind of skip around, but I ended up just watching it straight through. And like, I actually noticed a lot of things the second time that I didn't notice the first time. And I yeah, enjoyed I it even more so. I would have watched it straight through today. And I just, I started a little later than I meant to. So I was just pressed for time, but it's yeah. like, I think it's very rewatchable. Oh, for sure. Um, and, and, and I think it, it's, it's like not, a good movie in the classic sense, but is infinitely better than the original one and absolutely better than Annihilation. Like, Oh, for sure. Hands down. It feels like a legit movie. Just you have to go in with, you know, we should address the, the elephant in the room at the beginning, the, the Cole young character. So, uh, that was one of the few things that Warner brothers told the director and writer that they needed to have is they wanted a, a, an original character to be the star of this movie. And, you you brought it up, you know, when we were talking that it makes sense to have that. Yeah. So, you know, say your piece on that, like why you thought it makes sense to have a unique character. Uh, an original character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say um, as far as like getting this movie made, um, what were we just talking about? The the budget and like setting it early on, having like a slightly smaller scope. Um, the realities of getting a movie made in in hollywood in 2021 or whatever like people don't there's not a there's not a huge push or a huge demand for a mortal Kombat movie um so you've got i think you've got to make some concessions like you're just not going to be you're not going to be able to come out of the gate and make a huge mortal Kombat movie i think you need to draw people back into 
um, the property. And, you know, a couple of the ways to do that are what we've just talked about. Um, it's lowering the stakes a little bit and making it, you know, impressive for what you, um, choose to, to, to how, where you choose to set the movie and the stakes that you choose to give it. And also having, um, a relatable protagonist that can, you know, is a new and can sort of re- reinvigorate some attention and people that know the franchise and also someone that's a little bit more relatable, um, that is like the, uh. The human, the, the audience a surrogate character. Yeah, the a, point a of more, view character. Yeah, he's more, he's more human. He's more like us, and he's learning about the world as we're learning about it. That's you know, trope as old as time. Yeah, and and just to address it, like, and also, sorry, one more thing. Um, this movie like goes hard sci-fi right out of the gate. They're oh, like, yeah, yeah, we're we're in, we're in Outworld now. That's just a thing that exists. We're not going to bother explaining it very much. Like, this is just a movie where people have superpowers, and there's another realm. So yeah, it makes sense to I have an audience surrogate the character that can help like the explain this stuff. Is it, this movie's all background lore? Like we, the tournament is not in this movie. Like yeah. that's being set up for who knows? They keep on that talking about even, it. That that might not even be the second movie based off how this movie ends. That might be the third movie. You know? Yeah, I think if I was outlining this, or if I had to guess at how they're outlining it, I think the tournament is the next movie, and then I think you know in the in the lore of the video games. Uh, they they lose the the final tournament. They so you know in this movie and also in the video games, Mortal Kombat happens with all these characters, um, because the Outworld has won nine Mortal Kombat tournaments in a row, and they need to win one more to invade um, Earthrealm, right? Um, yep. So Liu Kang wins, or whoever you know in the game it's Liu Kang, but whoever wins, um, and uh, prevents them from winning the tenth one in a row that allows them to invade, but. Shao Kahn, the ruler, emperor of Outworld, uh, says, fuck that. I'm going to invade anyway. And then it becomes more of a war and less like right. a tournament that's deciding fate. So yeah. I think this movie is sort of leading up to the tournament. And then I think the second movie would be the tournament that they end up winning. And then Shao Kahn is like, fuck that. I'm coming in. It's like the ending it, of this. And of we'll the, see. The original. It's, and then it's, I think the third movie is like a war movie where Outworld is invading Earthrealm. Yeah. Because I know like the original lore was they're allowed to invade if they win 10. And I know in like the rebooted game lore, it's you just can't merge the realms unless you've won 10. You can invade, but you can't merge. And so there's that weird kind of gray area. Um, but yeah, this movie is really just gathering the crew who are going to be representing Earth. It's like the like the first 20 minutes of like a Mighty Ducks movie, like the second <laughs> Mighty Ducks movie, getting the team together kind of thing. Or, you know, really any sports no. movie, like, like the replacements or dodgeball or whatever, like gathering the team and getting them ready for the tournament. It's like the whole movie and is making, like the opening Making them a family. What was that? Yeah, and like get it, getting them to work together as a crew or yeah. a family or so, the Avengers. Just to like, the the acting is all over the place in this movie. Like some some of the people are really good. Some of them are bad. And unfortunately our lead um cole young played by lewis tan i think he's really bad i don't think he's charismatic i I don't think he's a good actor at least with the material he's given luckily he is like Liu kang in the original movie he's part of an ensemble and he's got plenty of people that are that are pretty good to back him up yeah because i think Um, so i think it's was i think it's i think it's okay for this movie that he's not fantastic and i think we talked about this i think what's going to happen is in the second movie he's going to take a back seat and they're going to let somebody else sort of be the main protagonist. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll have to be yeah, based I think... off if they go with the lore at all, it's going to have to be, they're eventually going to have to prop up Liu Kang 
and have Liu Kang start being the driving force eventually. Um, yeah, Ludi Lin. Yeah. I think I think that Louis Tan is as good as he needed to be, but he's like achieving the bare minimum. Yeah. He's he's giving like a, a C minus level of of acting. But I think he's, yeah, he's definitely not elevating. Jessica McNamee, I don't know how to pronounce Jessica McNamee as Sonya Blade. I thought she was great. I thought she was fun. Um I think the person think, who stole the show was Josh Lawson as Kano. Yeah, Kano. He's fucking amazing. And also he, um um Cabal. I thought Cabal yeah, was really fun he's too. He's really good. Um that's the dude that's um Charles Manson in Mindhunter, right? Yeah. Mhm. That's cool. Yeah. Um I agree. I think Kano, I don't think he carried the movie, but he, he was so good as the comic relief. He um, stole that he just, like, every scene. He, he was kept, in. he just kept the movie going. Like he's yeah. pushing it. He's pushing the momentum the whole way. I think, um, Joe Taslim as uh Sub-Zero oh, was so fucking good. He's so good. He's so menacing. And the, um, the director, Simon McQuaid did such a good job of, uh, of making him an, an intimidating character he shoots at least in the beginning but kind of throughout the movie he shoots sub-zero's scenes like horror movies or like oh, a horror movie. for sure the he's, music, he's pretty terrifying the angles the darkness him disappearing and reappearing him stalking people like there's there's towards the end of the movie there's a scene where he's like stalking cole's family and like they're like packing their bags and then like the camera pans around and he's just like standing lurking outside the the glass window and yeah, it's like fogging yeah. up like no he's he is shot like a mike myers uh, kind of killer like it's yeah. it was very effective and that and the dude uh the actor joe taslam um i think is the the best martial artist in the movie apparently they were saying uh some of the other um actors were saying so um the actor uh who plays jacks who i um, i'm i didn't wrote, notate his name mccod brooks yeah him and then also um uh, lewis tan mentioned that they had to actually slow him down like they had to ask him to slow down like he was too fast um, for yeah. the other actors to keep up and too fast for the camera to really keep track that, of his movements. Yeah. And you see that on film, like uh, the scene where I just mentioned where he's fighting Jax, um, he like freezes the gun and kind of looks at it like in a really, you know, menacing, like cool, creepy way. And then he like punches the gun and shatters it because it's frozen. But just that, uh, that like little uppercut that he does is like the blink of an eye. It's so it, fast. It's so fast. It's really hard to track him. Like I wouldn't want to yeah. fight him. Yeah. He's really good. And I think the the guy that plays um, Hiryu, uh, the guy that plays Scorpion, Hiroyuki Sonata, um, is fantastic as well. He just doesn't get as much to do. Yeah, he's very underutilized. I was really excited when they cast him, and he's just he just th- kind of bookends the movie. I feel like that guy. I can't. Um, maybe while I'm talking, you can find uh, some stuff that he's been in. He's very recognizable. He's in Westworld stuff. He's yeah. He's I feel the, like he's the the main uh, samurai in- guy in in Westworld. <laughs> Um, he's in some features too isn't he the guy um that jeremy renner kills in endgame yep he, that's him too yeah yeah he's in um, every he's in a lot yeah he's i feel like cast. he i feel like he's a guy that you cast and then you plan on using him in future movies i hope so i honestly, and i hope they bring back joe taslam i'm really bummed that well, joe gone. taslam signed on he has said that he's signed on for five movies so four more and if yeah. you know Mortal Kombat yeah. lore, he he comes back as new Cybot, or you know maybe they just bring him back as Sub Zero in another way because, you know, spoiler alert for this movie: at the end of the movie, the heroes win and they kill basically everybody, and and uh, Shang Tsung says, "Yeah, death is death is just the beginning for my crew. Like 
It's just another. There's another portal. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, and when he's when he's, I made a note of that. When he says that, they specifically focus on Sub Zero and Goro. Yeah, and and th- there's like a black smoke effect that Shang Tsung uses when he teleports or whatever. Um, that feels very noob cybody. Yeah, as far as Sub Zero well, goes, like, and Sub Zero also like pulled off his armor and stuff, and it's like all black. Yeah, he resembled that, that character. Yeah, it's definitely teased for for another one. So, yeah. um, this plot is very bare bones. Like, really, all it comes down to is. Uh, you see Cole is a cage fighter losing and then Jack shows up and saves him from Sub-Zero and he's like, go find Sonya Blade and Sonya Blade and already has Kano with her and then they get attacked by Reptile and we'll talk about the fights in a minute. Um, And then they just go to Raiden's temple and like Liu Kang and and, uh, Kung Lao are already there and they just kind of neg everybody until they (laughs) develop their superpowers. And well, they do that to, to Kano very yeah. pointedly, very uh, purposefully. They're just kind of dicks to everybody. Like they're constantly like they're just like, no, I don't I don't think so. No, they're even more so with with Kano, where they just go like really pick him apart. Raiden Cole, is a dick. Yeah. Even with Cole, they're like, you don't have time to be this shitty. Like, get good fast. <laughs> and then like All right, that, they do say that's true. Yeah, yeah. And then with Sonya Blade, like you don't have the dragon tattoo. Like you don't matter. Like, everybody's kind of a shitty to, like, Sonya Blade. Like, Melina shows up, like, you don't have the tattoo. You're not even worth fucking killing. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, like, it seems like, a, seems like a mistake on her part. It's It seems like a mistake on everybody's part, underestimating hey, Sonya prob- Blade. Hey, we probably should have said these are, like, major spoilers for this movie. <laughs> yeah, I did. I said spoilers. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, essentially what ends up happening is, like, Kano, of course, being a bad guy, turns on everybody. And really the only thing that... uh that uh, Raiden did is a couple things. This, these are the three things that Raiden did in the entire movie. When they show up to his temple, he's kind of like, you guys fucking suck and you need to get good. Why and weren't you looking for these people for the last 10 that's years? That's my biggest flaw with this movie. So he, he puts up a force field so they can train and they say they have less than 30 days before Mortal Kombat is going to start. Mm-hmm. And so he puts up the force field and then the next thing he does is after... Um, the force field comes down because Kano turns on them. He fucking doxes Cole to Sub-Zero. He's like, hey, Sub-Zero, fucking Scorpion's bloodline still exists. That's right. This is Scorpion's <laughs> great, 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 great grandson. And so, it's like Sub-Zero is like, oh, hell no. And then goes and abducts Cole's family. Yeah, that was your secret weapon. Why did you give that away? Right. And then at the end of the movie, after they, they kill everybody and then unfortunately Kung Lao dies and we'll, we'll get into that stuff. But at the end of the movie, uh, Raiden's like, I'm just going to come up with a new roster of heroes and you guys are going to go recruit these people. We're going to do the same plot of this movie. We're going to do it again in the next movie. But with even less time. Yeah. And it's like, wait, if he could just do that, like why couldn't he just create more fighters? And also, yeah, and also why, like it's not really clear what he did with uh, Scorpion's daughter 300 years ago. No. What have you been doing with that bloodline this whole time? You just let it fucking rot on the vine. Was it clear to you? He said that I, I, I took Scorpion's daughter and put her in a place where Shang Tsung would never find her or so be on or whoever. Yeah. Um, was it clear to you if where he, where he kept the, the family, where they kept the bloodline? Nope. Not it seemed all. like it was when I was watching it the first time, it seemed like it was in his, um, in Raiden's temple. That's what I thought uh, too. But then like, why wasn't, why did they leave? Yeah. Why wouldn't they there the whole time? It would make more sense if they made a twist and they made it like Liu Kang was actually Scorpion's descendant because he's like the chosen one and like all the other versions. And I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm glad they didn't. But like 
Liu Kang in this movie has been like training his whole life. Like he's known about Mortal Kombat his whole life and he's been training for it. And same thing with Kung Lao. But then even they are like, oh, we've been tasked to go find everybody. But by the time we found Jack, it was too late. Like, why are you guys waiting until less than a month before the events? Yeah, it didn't seem like they were trying to find anybody. No. Because it was just the two of them in that temple. Yeah. And then at the end and of so, the movie. Sonya Blade did all the work. Yeah. And then at the end of the ma- movie, Raiden's like, oh, I'll just create a new list and you guys go and recruit him. It's like, why couldn't you do this before? Like, what have you been doing? And the whole movie, like, every time Raiden pops up, he's just like, oh, this is what I've got to work with. Oh, you guys suck. <laughs> and it's like, dude, yeah, you need to the, do your job. The actor that they got for this Raiden, I, I'm sure they'll build him out in future movies. I know he's like kind of a Nick Fury role, but he was uh, not as charismatic or fun as uh, Christopher Lambert. No. Which is kind of a letdown. He did nothing. And it's, yeah. It's weird because he has kind of the same attitude too. He like, he takes some pot shots at the, at the, at our heroes and like kind of laughs at himself. Like it feels similar to the Christopher Lambert ones. Yeah. Le- less of it. Yeah, and it just, like, because this movie is so much darker and, like, the stakes are... So, like, basically the plot of this movie is, like, they're the outer the Outworld guys are cheating and trying to kill all the uh, champions so that way a Mortal Kombat can't actually happen and they just win by default. And, like, the stakes are really I like high. that. I think, I think that's an interesting idea. I, I like that that element of doing it as, um, as a precursor to the tournament. It, it totally like, makes sense. Like, we have this scheme where we're going to make it so that the tournament doesn't even happen. I think yeah. that's cool. I think it's great. It's just like, well, Raiden, what the fuck are you doing to make sure this isn't happening? And honestly, he seems completely unprepared. Yeah. And so like one of the things that I thought was going to happen the whole movie, because like the whole the whole second half of the movie is them learning about their arcana, which is like their magic powers. Like anybody who has the dragon tattoo is chosen and they get magic powers. I have mixed powers. feelings about those. I have very mixed feelings about it too. And I especially have mixed feelings the fact that like two of the three people who develop power or I guess three out of the four people who develop powers in this movie like spend most of their time learning and becoming better people or better versions themselves so they can get their powers and Sonya Blade just immediately has her powers when she kills Kano and gets his mark. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um I like that they justified every character being they made it so that every character is sort of equally matched in some way. So it's not just humans fighting aliens right. with superpowers. So it feels like a more level playing field. I think that's cool. And I, th- I, I understand why um, they wanted to give everyone superpowers because this kind of becomes like a, a little bit less of a martial arts movie and a little bit more of a superhero movie. It's Power Rangers. It's the Power Rangers movie from yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. And like, I understand why that's happening and I like, like I said, I like elements of that, but it also feels like, all right, so it's another, so it's Mortal Kombat Avengers. Like it's, well, and, and you're right. Heroes. Like, so what really starts Sonya Blade getting everybody, she mentions like we were on a mission in Brazil. We were supposed to bring in this like fugitive and he had superpowers and took out my entire team. And then Jack snuck up and killed him. And then all of a sudden Jax has this tattoo in Mortal Kombat. And then I investigated the tattoo and found out about Mortal Kombat so like Sonya Blades is also kind of the Nick Fury character as well. Um, but you're right. Like it's it's just like Power Rangers slash Mortal Kombat kind of merged. Like it's interesting, but it's there's all these like unique little ideas, but it also kind of like there's all these other weird things like Scorpion is now 500 or 600 years old and there's no explanation to that other than he probably got powers from Shang Tsung. Um, I th- well, he had he had an arcana. So like that's the, that's the explanation. They'll have the tattoo or the uh, mark that gives them powers. Right. No, but I mean like he's 500 powers. years old. 
where nobody else. Well, he's seen... been in. He's been in hell. And uh, Sub Zero is five hundred years old. That's what I meant. Sub Zero. Three hundred. Yeah, it was like fourteen ninety seven or whatever when it started. Like it's. I think it was. Yeah, it was. I think it was seventeen something. Oh, yeah. Okay. Either way, he's still hundreds of years old, kind of thing. So it's like there's all these weird little elements that don't really. They don't really. It doesn't. That doesn't bother me that much. It doesn't also, bother me that much. It's just like it's not, nothing is explained in a movie that's nothing but backstory. It's also like not clear how long he's been um, allied with Shang Tsung. I, right. I saw in the notes, it says that he's been working with him for hundreds of years. But I think, excuse me, in this movie, his inter- the first scene that he has with Shang Tsung feels more like um, an introduction between the two characters. It feels like Shang Tsung has so, sort of recruited him somehow. Yeah, because he has vague. that line like, like he calls him by hand, and then he's like, "Yeah, I, I am Sub Zero now." Got kind of thing like, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's there's all for a movie that's nothing but backstory. There's a lot of things that they just hand wave and don't really explain. It um, feels a lot like um, the the DC movies where they just want to jump straight to um, combining all of these characters. They want to get right to the Avengers movie, right to the Justice yeah. League. And there's like not a lot of backstory, but this movie does have some of the backstory, but it still feels kind of awkward that we're like throwing all these characters that we don't know anything about together and, and sort of figuring stuff it's out. It's also weird because it kind of like blows its load with a lot of characters. So like they made a big point, like we don't want to use Johnny Cage because we want to save some characters, but we get Sub-Zero, we get Goro. Um, well, but Sub-Zero, you're, you're right. And I, I'm going to disagree about Sub-Zero because Sub-Zero gets a lot of the movie dedicated to him so we get like the whole sub-zero story i think yeah there's like there's a little bit more there but a lot of the movie focuses on sub-zero but like goro but now, but now goro's dead melina's dead yeah, is the dead. goro one was really disappointing too because it's like cole, the other thing that frustrated me about cole cole loses every fight in this movie every fight until he gets to goro and then he just gets his superpowers and his superpowers are really unexplained like he gets like this yeah. golden armor and then he also can like summon these like knife blade things, and then he like kills Goro, who's supposed to be like the reigning the, champion. The way the movie, ex- it, the way the, it felt like the movie was explaining his powers, my first go around was that his power is that he's like the rope wrapped around Scorpion's harpoon. Right. So at first, so what I thought was like, which makes like, no sense, but that's what I thought the movie so was. So for telling a little me. bit, what I thought was maybe going to happen because in the trailers, you never actually see Scorpion with anybody so i thought maybe what was going to happen was like he gets his powers initially and he was going to turn into scorpion and have that like the destiny was he becomes scorpion so i thought Mm -hmm. like maybe like that gold armor he was wearing is just like the first layer of like the costume and then i thought like at the end of the movie he like uses the kunai and he gets his blood on it and then it summons scorpion but i thought like when he gets his blood on the blade it like wraps around and burns and everything so i thought at first i'm like oh he's gonna like get possessed by scorpion or whatever maybe have like a symbiotic relationship with scorpion or something i thought that would have been kind of interesting and then scorpion just gets summoned and he still only speaks japanese except for the phrase get over here and i am scorpion he doesn't say i'm scorpion yeah he did he says it in japanese oh did he okay i thought i could i think he said i am in japanese but says scorpion in english yeah. Well, that that happens though. Like sometimes, if there's a yeah, there's, there's not, not a good like a translation, translation of an English word, or yeah. if it's somebody's name, I think. Yeah. So it was, that was a little odd, but like that. I last... don't. I feel like I feel like they didn't pay off. Um, I like that they. I like that they put 
thought into the the characters and the, where the clans are from in the beginning. Yeah. So like Scorpion's clan, his family and his you know uh, village or whatever are all Japanese, so they speak Japanese. And then Sub Zero's or uh, Bihan's people are uh, Chinese, and it says like they're speaking Japanese or they're speaking Chinese. Yeah. And there's like a po- uh, a point where Bihan is speaking Chinese to uh, uh, Scorpion. What's his name originally? Hanzo. Yeah. Um, and he like doesn't understand him. And he says it like, I don't, I don't think, understand your words, but I'm going to fuck you yeah. up. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting, but then like it, it didn't pay off in any, in a meaningful way. And I think, like you said, it actually created a problem later in the movie where he says, uh, they are speaking to each other again in opposite languages. And also he says something in English for no reason. And it's yeah. like, you, why did, why did you even bother making, uh, like pointing out that this was weird to us, to the audience? Yeah. Well, cause like even, so eventually like the crux of the movie is Cole and Scorpion team up and they defeat Sub-Zero and then like Scorpion realizes this is great 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 grandson and he's just like take care of my bloodline boof and like disappears back to hell uh, after doing his fatality where he rips off his mask and blows fire on on Sub-Zero which was pretty fucking cool I think it might have been cool if Cole in this movie or maybe in the next movie um takes on like Scorpion's um, mantle, but he like looks like the younger Scorpion. I'd be totally so he's cool like with a, that. Like a simple yellow outfit, as opposed to like the uh, the crazy thing that he was wearing in this. Yeah, in this movie. I think that would be interesting if he if he did take that on because like his powers are super weird. Like it was kind of like Black Panther's oh, vibranium suit. Sorry, I was just thinking, and we're also going to get a different Sub Zero because in the games, Bihan is the original Sub Zero, and then he becomes Noob Cybot, and his and brother get, comes in. He, we get his younger brother. Uh, who still wears the blue of the Lin Kui. So maybe like there could be a thing in the next movie where Sub-Zero's younger brother and Cole sort of work together, you know, even though yeah. their families used to be opposed to each other. And then they could also have sort of matching outfits that are different colors. That's like a reference to the original to the games. video games because everyone's just reskinned. It's just different colors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that'd be cool. One of the things, and we should start wrapping up, and I kind of wanted to save this portion for just re-talking about the fights, but one of the big selling points of this movie was that it was supposed to be video game accurate, having fatalities, being a little bit more gory. Um, And I got to say, honestly... Quite a bit more gory. Yeah. Oh, it was quite a bit more gory, but I got to say, like, I was a little underwhelmed. Like, a lot of this stuff was in the trailer. Like, you see the Jax destroying Raiko's head in the trailer, in the Red Band trailer kind of thing and you see a decent... they they do the clap but they don't show the aftermath of his head oh there's a there's a red the red band trailer you saw i, I had seen that and i'd also I mean, see they released the first seven minutes of the movie last week so i actually saw the opening fight before yeah so they released yeah. a lot of stuff in this um uh, the kung lao fight was pretty cool though when he I mean, takes on the listen I, I think that paid off for them though because we didn't talk about how much money this movie's made yeah, so it's, it's doing very well. Yeah, so it's already made its budget back internationally. So it's made about fifty million dollars already, and its budget was anywhere from fifty to fifty-five um, during a pandemic when it's released on HBO and people aren't going to theaters. And it's rated R. Yeah, a so hard it's R. Crazy, crazy that it's made this amount of money. Yeah, so it's it's guaranteed to get a sequel. So um, the fights are really, like I don't want to like really spoil all the fights, but like Liu Kang gets his his fatality. Um, you, Kung Lao gets his his uh, flawless victory, and he uses his hat like a table saw and like kills somebody. And, um, and it's actually a flawless victory. That was like that bothered movie. me in the first movie when they said flawless victory on one. And it's like that guy got hit like ten times. Um, but it's yeah, it's definitely gorier. 
but I, I honestly was expecting more with how much Simon McQuad was like hyping this up. Like it's mm-hmm. the, one of the most violent movies you've ever seen. And it's one of the goriest movies you've ever seen. I honestly didn't, I thought it was a lot tamer than I expected it to be. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe because you and I, um, watch more, uh, more horror movies and more like art house horror movies that really get into, or not, sorry, art house is not the right word. Um, but more like, niche horror movies that are, get really gory yeah we have lately i'm not into like those gory films but like i was honestly like this this really wasn't bad like at all but like to to like a mainstream audience that's much gorier than an r movie usually yeah has. that's fair that's fair and especially for like a video game movie it was weird in my theater there were kids in it and i was like why the yeah. fuck are there kids in this movie like little yeah. kids uh, yeah i did almost like mortal Kombat a dude in the theater though this was like the first bad theater experience i've had in a little while i was um um, somebody sat next to me who shouldn't have been sitting next to me. Like they were in the area that should have been marked off, but they mm-hmm. sat next to me. Um, and so once the, there's a sign at the theater that I went to, it's like, Hey, once the movie starts, like by all means move, move to a different seat, just be socially distant. So like once the movie started, like we got through the credits, I went and moved to another row. Like I moved, I just moved down a row and it was fine. And then no joke, more than halfway through the movie, like after Kano already got his powers, this guy walks up to me. He's like, I think you're in my seat. And I'm like, are you? And he's not wearing a mask. Like he gets like inches away from my face and like taps me on the shoulder. And he's like, you're in my seat. And I'm like, um, dude, the movie started like the movie started at six. And then there was credits and we're more than an hour. in the movie. It was like 730. Like the movie was almost over. Like it's like it had like half an hour left. And he goes, yeah, but you're in my seat. And like my wife has a seat i'm like dude there are three rows in front of me that are completely empty like go and he's like yeah but it's my seat i'm like dude get the fuck out of my face like this movie's been going for an hour and a half get the fuck out of here it was really weird man but uh it was yeah it was so weird being back in the theater um i've gone to i went to see nobody in a theater as well so i've been to a couple theaters uh recently and it's very strange like um dealing with people in a theater again. this is <laughs> the first one where it was like busy for me like i saw nobody twice and i saw um chaos walking and both all three of those times like the theater was completely empty and i saw godzilla even godzilla was fairly empty like there were twice as many people in this theater as there were for godzilla when i saw godzilla it's weird like getting used to the sounds of a the theater again yeah and yeah. Like, having to think about being close to people yeah it definitely is but uh i think there's a there's a sorry i was gonna say there's um a scene in the middle of this movie where Shang Tsung is walking through the desert with um, Melina and he's all dirty. Yeah. What's he been doing? I don't Why know. Man. Dirty? What's he up to? I, I want to know what like the day to day of Outworld is. I'm really unclear on how that realm operates. And everybody kind of from Outworld. So uh, Shang Tsung and um, Melina had like this weird like reverb on their voices too. I feel like I heard that just in one scene. It threw me off. And I think it's weirder that it feels like it's not in other scenes. It, Melina had it every time, and then uh, Shang Tsung only had it in Outworld. But Melina yeah. almost always seemed to have it. It was really odd. But uh, I, I think we should wrap it up. I think we were definitely a little bit more vague on this one just because it is a new movie. Like, we did spoil it, but we also didn't want to completely ruin any experience for it. I think you can still go watch this movie, even if you listened to the uh, the episode um, already. Um, the one note that I just want to close off is, like, the end of the movie, Cole becomes the leader and he's like, all right, guys, we got to kill everybody. Um, they don't want a tournament, but we're going to give them a tournament. Hey, Raiden, 
you can teleport people, right? And Raiden's like, sure can, bud. And he's like, cool. Well, you're going to teleport this person here and this person. We're going to, and they set up these little one-on-one matches. And then Jax is like, what about Sub-Zero? And Cole's like, we're going to kill everybody first. And then we all take on Sub-Zero. And I've been rewatching Malcolm in the Middle. Um, I started it, you know, a few weeks back. And it made me think of like in season one, there's a point where Reese is like, like uh, is complaining because everybody listens to Dewey and like, like Reese is like he's lying and he was like it's fine if he says it happened it happened well nobody believes me when I say you I beat Sub Zero and and Hal's like well nobody beats Sub Zero that's just ridiculous and that just made me laugh I thought him uh, Malcolm in the middle when like they were talking about how he's unbeatable and I just thought that was great maybe but, that's a little reference to your favorite show yeah I just do love you. that show um, but yeah this movie is really fun I definitely think this made sense um, they've tried various ways to recreate this they did it as a web series and you know to moderate success but uh i think this was a great way to bring this back to the the big screen yeah i really enjoyed it um i'm in the bag for the sequels i think this is going to replace like i don't think this is a good movie but it is so fun and i've said it before the the fantastic or fantastic uh the fast and the furious movies are like my twilight movies where i recognize they're bad but i enjoy them those movies are coming to an end i think that this movie is better than it had any right being oh i agree and I'm it's not Citizen Kane, but like it was a blast. I think this is going to be like the new Fast and the Furious franchise where it's like it's not a good movie, but it knows what it is and it's fun. Yeah. And also like this thing is uh, built for spinoffs. We can do um, there. there is a film. There's like a Hobbs and Shaw of Kano and Cabal in a prequel. That's its for own sure. movie, you know? Yeah. Um, Plus, yeah, you can I, always go back to previous ones. So, like there's like this like hall, like the Hall of Fame of Mortal Kombat's. And like you see, um, White Wolf is it White Wolf? Night Wolf. Night Wolf, and he's in he's in. That's in so, that's in that's in Sonya Blade's uh, crazy theory. Yeah. Board. So you see, you know, previous versions. So like you could go back and do prequels of original tournaments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like this world could be huge. Um, yeah. And they made this movie with fifty million dollars, and it made its mm-hmm. money back in the pandemic already. So it's like, yeah. They could just churn these movies out and people will watch these. So, um, but yeah, check it out. It was a fun movie. I agree. Yep. Do what Mike says. All right, Alex, where can our listeners find you? Uh, I am on the Instagram at disalexic, D-Y-S-Alex-I-C. I'm on Twitter at Palishi, P-U-L-I-S-C-I. And you can follow along with the movies that I'm watching on my letterbox, which is also at Palishi. Nice. And you guys can check out everything that's MDX Pods related at mdxpods.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at MDX Pods. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash mdxpods, get these episodes early, and get some extra bonus content. Uh, we are going to be recording a, a little mini episode on uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So that'll be out this week, and uh, it'll be great. Thanks for listening. Thank you.